for decades, I compared myself to everyone else in business and everyone else succeeding and everyone else dealing with the muchness. And I was like, why can't I do that? Mm -hmm. I must be inadequate because I need more space. I must be inadequate because I'm more exhausted when something happens. And I think we have to adjust and talk about that every being is really different and that everybody's blueprint is really different and everybody's energy level is really different. Everybody's capacity is different because I think that is an important discussion to have. Yes. I think it's really vital that we understand how we want to interact and what our capacity is. And then, and, you know, shout out to all the emotional sensitive beings in the world because I'm with you. I'm the same. Like, I was telling someone yesterday, like, it's just hard to be me in the world sometimes because I'm mm -hmm. feeling it all. If you know there is something deep inside of you that is yearning to be seen, to be known, and to have expression, if there's something you need to reclaim and remember, maybe it's your power, your purpose, your gifts, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Reclaiming Ourselves. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and I'm honored to have three amazing co-hosts, Laura Shook Guzman, Belinda Hahn, and Emily Sikorsi, here with me on this journey to self-discovery. Every week, we're going to help you unravel and remember what it means to reclaim yourself, to own who you are, to recognize your innate worth and greatness. Now, this podcast is a deep dive into self-development, healing, and empowerment. So hold on. Here we go. Hey, and welcome back to Reclaiming Ourselves. I'm so excited today because we've got, you know, an amazing episode. And I've got Emily Sikorsi here, which I'm very excited about. And we're going to kind of explore and unpack and talk about kind of a couple things. Something that she really describes as the muchness, and I'm going to let her define that and we're going to kind of unpack what that is, but also the importance of words, right? And how words kind of frame and unframe our lives, how we really are able to use them to define things and also to let go of, of defining things and to undefine things. And I think this is a really important part of reclaiming ourselves. And so that's what we're going to kind of explore today. So welcome. Emily, so excited for our conversation. Can you share a little bit more about the topic? Absolutely. So I guess a few years ago, I started to notice this theme and particularly like kind of leading up to the pandemic and then the absence or a, a, a rejiggering of it during the pandemic and then afterwards when we kind of started transitioning back into a new way of living. Mm -hmm. People would, friends or acquaintances or clients, they kind of come to me and dump out their backpack. You know, I've got this and I've got this and I've got the work and I've got my relationships. And I have on top of all of that normal human stuff, I was began to notice this layer of the digital demands that we were living in. And I just kind of started offhandedly referring to that as the muchness because I kept saying to these friends, like, it's just so much, or it's mm. a lot, you know, I would listen and I, and I would just hold the space for them and just empathize so deeply and just say, it's so much. And I just began to notice that what I'm calling the muchness is really this pressure-filled, demand-rich, connection, 
craving reality of modern life that really mm. has not existed before. And I dug into it deeper, did more research, and it's not just an experience, but it's something that scientists have been looking at and tracking. We get 4,000 to 6,000 requests for our immediate action every single day. Mm. Layer on top of that, another study, we process 74 gigabytes of information every day. Wow. That's the equivalent of watching 16 movies. Wow. That's yeah. like so much, right? It's so much, right? The muchness. <laughs> so our focus is so bombarded. Mm. And it really the muchness is sort of made up of these three key things. I think the muchness is constant demands, mm -hmm. those constant demands for our attention and action, an ever-increasing expectation for how we should be living, should be doing, um, should be hitting standards, mm -hmm. and then consistent urgency around all of these things. So those three things are really what I started to look at kind of combining, creating this, this force field around all of us that I call the muchness. So that's a little, that's a little bit of background on that. I love it. And you know what I think is so interesting? I mean, I do so much kind of study around turning inward, right? Responding mm -hmm. kind of inward. But the muchness is really all the things externally that is pulling our attention, pulling our energy, pulling our focus. And where is there time to turn inward, mm -hmm. right? Where is there time to look at ourselves or feel what we feel because there's so much demands, as you said, you know, outside of us calling for our attention. Yes. I think so many people can relate to this idea, you know, how, and how do we reclaim ourselves? This is kind of what I want to tie in later is mm -hmm. how do we reclaim ourselves in an age where we're just constantly being bombarded, constantly on demand. And I think there's some things in that processing part too, right? If we're processing so much information externally, you know, is that even possible? Is that even possible for our human body, for our brain, for our nervous system to right. process all that information? Right. I mean, that's what, it, you know, and it, as people were expressing to me what was going on with them, it was just a sense of, yeah, I can't even get to the reflective state because when we are in the muchness and we're allowing that to dictate and define who we are, because... Mm -hmm and we can get into this too, there's also this comparison, there's this keeping up pressure. Yeah. We are unable to process, have reflective thinking, have deep mm -hmm. thinking, and to be in our feelings because we are, we're in response mode. It limits yes. us to dealing with the present response mode. And literally our brains only have so much energy and we prioritize the most pressing task. And so we have a finite amount of energy and so it's it's to what is in front of us so the deeper things and this isn't part of the work that we do with our branding work and one of the one of the rules we have is is to hold space and that doesn't mean just when we're working together let's be focused it means let's be focused enough that you can allow those errant thoughts feelings and emotions that in the muchness of everyday life we we push down Yes. And 
what I have found over the years in, in trying to discover, rediscover, reclaim who I am is we can spend a lot of time in the pressing and the urgent, but the truth, the elemental you really resides in those what seem to be irrelevant, maybe thoughts or inconvenient feelings that are coming up that we immediately suppress to handle what is most urgent in front of us. God, there's like so many threads I want to pull here, right? And so many ties in to, you know, some of the things that I've learned over my career and lifetime as well. And like urgency is really about perception, right? And mm -hmm. so when we perceive something as urgent, then just like you said, we're focused in that response. Now, I would call that like the sympathetic system mm -hmm. versus the parasympathetic system of the nervous system. And how if that's our fight or flight or freeze, that's that part that's always needing to respond to things. And it is actually not sustainable to live in that, right? Like, I just did recently a talk on burnout. And one of the things we talked about is that as we're engaged in that constant urgency and that constant demand stage and our bodies, our physiology is literally attuned to that, we can't relax. We can't you know, minimize burnout. Like it's inevitable that burnout will come because as physical beings, we're literally not wired to be able to handle constant demands like that. So it's really interesting to, to kind of tie that in to what you're talking about because yeah, how do we navigate that when all of us are feeling it, right? We're feeling the pull, we're feeling the perceived urgency. It's what the universe has told us we have to do. You know, not the universe per se, but society yeah. and, you know, all of technology. the things we see. Technology, yeah. marketing, yes. you know, mm -hmm. all of it. And it's been built to very intentionally mm -hmm. to draw us back in and to create that sense of if we leave these spaces we will be missing out, right? That's right. We will be less connected. Yes. When I have found the opposite to be true, mm -hmm. that I get more connected to my truth when I leave those spaces. A funny thing happened, and this is sort of was a moment too in developing the language of the muchness, was I saw, took my daughter to see Ready Player One. I don't know if you've seen that film, but it depicts a world in the future where most people are spending their time in an, you know, in a virtual yep. reality environment. And um, it was really poignant for me. And I just thought, okay, if that's the direction that the world is heading, I'm scared, but I'm also like, I see that. And I think for me, there's a choice, which is, am I going to live in this world, like the tangible world, or if that's the way we're all going to go, like I really want to choose to live in this world for as long as possible. <laughs> and I feel like it's fine if, if you feel really seen in virtual spaces and not making a judgment on people. But I think the important thing for me is to, for all of us to be mindful of how the muchness, how the other world the influence it has on us, what it does to us physically in our bodies, how it stresses our brain, because that is then connected to mm. the sense of fulfillment and meaning that we have in our lives. For some reasons, that's not always connecting for people. Yes. And it's like, oh, there's so much, but then I'm on Facebook five times a day. And it's yeah. like, well, that's a conscious 
choice or an unconscious choice, right? That is really dictated a lot by the technology and it's very intentional way of drawing you back in. And, and that's, that's the technology's, technology's job to draw us back in. It is our job to thoughtfully, mindfully say, actually, do I want to engage there? Yeah. Do I want to use my energy in that mode? How can I maybe do it a little bit less? How can I resist much since today or set it aside and really actually get involved with what is real and what is the more connected to the self reality that I want to live from? Yeah, I love that. And I, I wonder, like, what does it take for that? Like one of the things mm-hmm. I've been kind of contemplating is we have these kind of inherent needs, right? Mm-hmm. And and of course we need water and food and air, but we also sort of need these inherent needs of belonging, mm-hmm. right? Of dignity or worthiness, right? Of safety. And sometimes I wonder if, you know, we're lacking so much of that in our day-to-day life that we try to use technology or in particular social media, right? I think this is a, this conversation really lends itself to talking about social media. And, you know, we, we have this false sense of belonging, right? Or we have this false sense of worthiness, depending on how we put ourselves out there, or who connects to us or, you know, who praises us or who gives us a thumbs up. And so, you know, I think it's really interesting to navigate, like, what is the, you know, answer? And this is a complex problem, right? So there's no, like, you know, one answer. But how do we kind of navigate that? Because I think there's so many internal needs that need to be met, so many like alternative ways to look at the psychology behind why we choose, you know, social media. I mean, there's, you know, all these kind of different threads, but I think that's a really important thing to explore because so many people I feel like come and say, you should just get off social media. Like you should just turn it all off, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. great and easy to say. And we all work towards that. And some of us are more capable of, you know, just saying no, or just turning it off or just creating a boundary. But there's a lot of pull, Mm. right? Unconsciously and psychologically and all the stuff. And just like you said, it's very deliberate, but how do we address those things that are, you know, very tied to needs, right? Very tied to perceived or real needs. Um, I think that's such an important part of this conversation because, you know, you'll hear a lot of people, and I say this to people all the time, like, yes, we know that we should be turning our electronics off. We know we should not be on Facebook all day. We know these things and yet we're still doing them. Why is that? Yeah, I think that's the the starting question. And we can be gentle and compassionate as mm-hmm. we look at that for ourselves. One idea that, you know, that comes to mind is is really getting conscious of what am I getting from this and not in a what are you getting out of it <laughs> sort of yeah. judgy mindset. But mm. honestly, like when we're engaging or and it it doesn't I I also don't want to just make it about technology. It's about the combination of the demands in our physical lives, Mm -hmm. the emotional demands, and then the addition of this other domain where we feel pressure to show that Mm -hmm. and then engage in that way. So it's really the combination. But in terms of looking just at like social media or, or interactivity, really being honest with like, okay, I'm going to spend a week or a few days just noticing my emotional state when I come into those spaces 
my energetic state, where's my energy at this moment when I begin? And then where does my energy end up when I finish? And just observe that. Just observe that for a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, observe where your emotions go throughout that time. What is the, what is the arc? What's the trajectory? What's the pattern? Yeah. And then, you know, really get reflective of, and I did this once. I was like, I, I noticed that I was going into Instagram's, one of the platforms that I am on. Anytime I felt disheartened or discouraged. Mm-hmm. So I was entering that space feeling like, it was the early days of my business, like feeling disheartened, feeling discouraged. And I went there looking for inspiration, um, signs. I went there looking for encouragement and, um, that's fine. That's fine. It's just, I'm noticing. And then I realized that sometimes I found that and I was like, yeah, that's so encouraging. And it gave me a little energy boost and then I could carry on. And sometimes I found if I didn't find something, mm-hmm. I was like, dropped, you know, those emotional states even lower. And I could almost bottom out and feeling drained, feeling like I didn't want to go back into the work. And so that was really eye-opening for me. And I realized too, and I think this is the tricky thing about the digital space is that it feels so personal. Right? It feels you're following these people, you feel connected to their stories. And me as an empath, as a super empathetic person, I'm like inserting myself into their stories. So it's so personal. But the reality is it is not, it is not coming from within. It is not personal in that it, it is one's own truth or one's own compass. Yeah. So there is a blurring of the line there um, that I think is just, again, important to be really aware of. And what I realized as I came through that experience, I was like, I think I need to be looking within in those moments or taking a walk outside in those moments or petting my dog for two minutes. Yeah. Because I don't want to have that up and down and I don't want (laughs) my emotional state to be so affected by what I happen to scroll through or not. That right. seemed like I was almost placing my well-being and the randomness of the algorithm. And that logically, as I stepped back from it, I was like, I don't really want to be dependent in that way. Yeah. I mean, I think that's amazing. I've done a lot of that kind of reflection and observation about, you know, how I engage with technology, what it what it is for me, you know. And, you know, honestly, I have disengaged a lot from social media and yet – as much as I'd like to disengage completely, I mm-hmm. still feel like I have to be there, right? Like it's still this interesting and, – and, you know, as I talk to more and more people, as I have worked with clients, so many people feel kind of that same thing, you know. And as I've explored it myself, I feel like there's a, a sense of uh, this idea. It's a concept really, right? Because I don't think it's felt. I don't think it's like a felt sense or an embodied sense of it. But on a concept level, I feel like, oh, I belong if I'm there. If I'm not there, I'm isolated, right? There's this yes. sense of, of or fear really of isolation. And yet I find I'm very disconnected. Like I'm not very connected when I'm on social media. Mm. And again, you know, as you were just saying, this is not about the technology. Technology can be used for beautiful things and amazing relationships and all kinds of yes. stuff. It's just, what is it for us? How are we utilizing it? 
what are we going to it for? How are we responding to it? What is the personal reflection? And I find for myself, yeah, there's a lot of disconnection there. And yet I still feel like I have to be there. Right. And so it's interesting. So pressure, like there's that societal pressure to be there, to Mm -hmm. be findable, to be available, to connect, to be available, to have a sense of belonging. And again, it seeps out into other relationships. And I think my girl, my children are older and I'm grateful for that because I do feel the pressure. It just seems to be again, ever increasing Mm -hmm. to show what we're doing in our lives in a digital realm. And that's untenable, as you said, like our bodies can't handle it. Yeah. Um, and so I, actually lately I've been speaking to a lot of young people in their twenties and early thirties, and there, there is a lot more disengagement and there's a lot more recognition of actually, I'm not trying the dating apps. I'm just actually dating or trying to date. And that's mm-hmm. hard because we've been trained as a culture now to, to go there. I'm not yeah. saying that's bad or good. And we, and we really need, let me just say this too. Our, our tendency as human beings is to say, Oh, the muchness, that's bad. That's the enemy. Yes. No, yeah. it is the soup we are in. <laughs> yeah. It is a phenomenon and it is ha- all in how we interact with it yeah. and how we say, oh gosh, today I just got lost in it. It was a lot, you know, and, and I need to now take a step back to process that. Or like, you know what, I'm going all in for this week because we have a, you know, whatever it is, we have a launch coming up or I got a yeah. birthday and I just want to blow this out and share yeah. it. That's great. And it's not a bad thing. But if we don't name it, this goes to the power of language. If we don't name it, if we don't see that it's coming at us from a lot of different angles, we're not aware then we can never really wrestle it to the place where it's meant to be in our lives. And then allow ourselves. And I think this is really relevant to reclaiming. Mm-hmm. It's so incredibly important to tune into our inner knowing as part of a process of reclaiming. And we are so pressured to do otherwise. And yeah. so, again, putting words around what this these forces are that make us feel uncomfortable or discouraged or really excited and then really dejected. Yeah. Well, and I think it's so tied in. I mean, I currently am doing a lot of study around trauma right now, right? And our trauma responses are really our survival strategies, right? So that, you know, back to kind of that sympathetic system, Mm -hmm. you know, we have particular ways we respond to stress. We have particular ways that we respond to things coming at us. And one of the things about reclaiming ourselves is healing some of those survival strategies or navigating some of those survival strategies so that we're able to more fully experience our lives, right? If we're always engaged in these survival strategies, oftentimes they're, first of all, not sustainable, you know, not always helpful to our lives. They limit our experience often. And so, you know, some of that uh, in terms of reclaiming ourselves is, you know, having a broader experience with life, having more aliveness in our lives. And what I see with the muchness is there's nothing wrong with the muchness. It is what it is. But the thing is, is it engages our trauma patterns, our survival strategies, right? So the more pressure we feel, the more demands we feel, that's where we can really see. Do we lean in? Do we 
flee, right? Do we appease? Because that's another survival strategy. Do we dissociate? I know that I dissociate a lot when I feel pressure. I don't like that feeling. I don't like the demands. Anytime anything is demanded of me, I will start to dissociate. I will numb out. I will do something so that I'm not feeling that. And so I think that is a really important kind of intersection that we need to talk about because it's it's not the muchness in and of itself. It's what happens when we feel it and how do we respond and engage? Yes, exactly. So one of the things that came up as a result of the muchness is this uh, phenomenon called inattentional blindness. And I have experienced this myself where I'm like, okay, I'm done for the day. I'm shutting my office door. I'm engaging in the real world. I'm going to help my daughter with her homework, or I'm just going to be, you know, I'm making dinner as she's working on something. And she's talking to me and I'm like, my intention is to be present and listen, but my mind is still in that demand (laughs) response Mm -hmm. mode. So literally I can feel my attention being sucked in a different direction. And, and so it's basically the term for when we, something is happening right in front of us and we are unable to focus and to process. Mm -hmm. So that happens. And that happens even when you're intending to be present. That's right. Another thing that it is, it just fractures us, right? So we're, we're fractured. We are like, oh, we're, we're doing this and we're doing that and we're doing, we're here. So our, our sense of ourselves also can get fractured into this is who I am in this venue. This is who I am in this space. This is what we want to be on this platform. And I fall into that really easy as a brand strategist. I help clients understand who they are. And I'm like, there's one person and there's one brand and it does get represented continuously. But I still even fall into the pattern of, mm-hmm. yeah, but what's our strategy here? And that can lead to fracturing. It also really, really uh, impacts our ability to make decisions. And I find this during the pandemic, I think the one of the hardest things, and this may sound so silly, but was like deciding what to have for dinner <laughs> in those early days of the pandemic where it was crisis mode. Mm-hmm. I, by two o'clock, maybe even earlier than that, my I could not make a decision. Mm-hmm. And my husband couldn't, he was kind of frontline. And so we wouldn't eat dinner till like nine o'clock at night. Like the result of that was no one can make a choice. And we're only really able to make a certain number of decisions during the day. And so the muchness definitely impacts that. Um, And I think the other thing for me, I've realized over the years is just that it, the tendency, the recurring threat of just falling into feeling inadequate. Hmm. And that goes to your comment about worthiness. Yeah. You know? And then when you get thoughtful about that, it's like, do I want to expose myself or do I want to be completely open to a world or a force that makes me feel inadequate? Mm-hmm. Because my natural status is to compare, unfortunately. And that's something I'm aware of too. But I think that those are like very clear impacts. It can, can really erode our, our, because of all those things, fracturing, lack of decision-making. Yeah. And then, you know, just that sense of ourselves gets worn away over time. Yeah. Um, if we're not, if we're not really aware of, of it. Yeah. Gosh, I can relate in so, in so many ways, right? I can relate to the dinner thing. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that, right? I know that on my longer work days, I just have made a decision to stop 
doing dinner, right? Like I just don't make dinner. So someone else can decide to get dinner out or everybody can fend for themselves. I have fend for, fend for yourselves night. If I'm working late, I can't make decisions because by the time I get done, I don't have that capacity. And that's, you know, it's interesting to start to look at, you know, what is my capacity for the muchness? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think that's really different for every individual. I know for myself, I can hold a lot less outside demands than maybe the average person. I will, you know, get to an inability to make decisions. I will get cranky. I will get, I just, I just don't enjoy life, right? The more I have to do, and I need a tremendous amount of space. I need a tremendous amount of energy and time focused inward. And mm -hmm. so for me, like limiting the muchness has had to be a survival strategy, right? Mm -hmm. To to limit how exposed I am to energy, you know, being an empath as well, being an introvert. I'm highly sensitive to outside demands. I'm highly sensitive to outside, you know, noise and sound and, you know, vision and, you know, all of the things that so much mm -hmm. of us have to experience. And so I've had to learn to do that. And I think, you know, I look at my daughter, my my youngest daughter, who's very extroverted and, you know, like she needs constant stimulation. And so for her, she can handle the muchness to a higher degree than I can. And, you know, so I think that's an interesting point or something to talk about as well. So many of us compare ourselves. I mean, for decades, I compared myself to everyone else in business and everyone else succeeding and everyone else dealing with the muchness. And I was like, why can't I do that? I must be inadequate because I need more space. I must be inadequate because I'm more exhausted when something happens. And, you know, I think we have to adjust and talk about that every being is really different and that everybody's blueprint is really different and everybody's energy level is really different. Everybody's capacity is different because I think that is an important discussion to have. In this yes. I think it's really vital that we understand how we want to interact and what our capacity is. And then and, you know, shout out to all the emotional sensitive beings in the world because I'm with you. I'm the same. Like, I was telling someone yesterday, like, it's just hard to be me in the world sometimes because I'm mm -hmm. feeling it all. And you're allowed to have those those days and moments. But I think you bring up a great point about the way we live in the soup of the muchness. It impacts our relationships as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, your daughter's one way. And so just knowing that, knowing that she has like a longer uh, capacity there is good, but also knowing that well, I don't. <laughs> so another example is my husband has is more of an extrovert, and he can be cooking dinner with the football game on and the radio and like music, literally. And my daughter, my younger daughter, and I look at each other and we're like, oh my God, <laughs> like it's yeah. too much. But he's in his happy place. He's he's got all of the things. So, but that could very easily be like angering and that can, you know, trigger responses and lead to conflict. But instead it's like, okay, well, I'm going to let this be. Maybe she and I will take a walk or go in her room and do something quiet and allowing people to, to process in their own way. So I think that's another aspect of it and not, and I'll raise my hand too, not being judgmental mm -hmm. um, because it's really easy to say, well, why are they always doing this? Or they're always on social this way, or they're always behaving in this manner. But if you're more aware and confident in your own, like this is for me and that's for them and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And we can find ways to meet in the middle 
or just say, hey, you know what? We've been listening to the music and the radio for a while now. Can I turn one of them off? (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, just making ourselves more aware of one another. But I think without that layer of awareness, it can definitely lead to to conflict and to distancing, which doesn't necessarily have to be there. Yes. So, so would you say that overall the muchness is disconnecting or is it all just about how we navigate it? Because I think about, is it disconnecting to our inner selves, right? Or the self we're reclaiming? Is it disconnecting in our relationships, you know, or does it just depend like you, you know, we were just talking about who you are. So for some of us, the muchness is disconnecting. And for some of us, it might be connecting, right? I think it's an interesting question. I think it's an interesting question. And I do think we have to just take a look at it, see how it shows up for you. Maybe it's, this is less significant for you. Or maybe if you observe, like, how am I feeling on a scale of overwhelming or gosh, I do realize my decision-making really goes by the wayside at the end of the day. Um, or I'm making easier decisions at the end of the day, right? And so that leads to, oh, maybe I'm eating chips when I really set an intention to be eating carrots, you know? And so there's little things like that. Yeah. And I think to answer your question, like, I guess I have a core belief, it doesn't mean I'm right, that my own humanity, my own sense of intuition, my own ability to connect to my wisdom that I've been taught and that I've been internalized as truth for me or I've, I've been given is the base I want to come from. And so to be connected to that, I know that I have to step away mm-hmm. on occasion and limit. And that feels right to me. So for me, I, I do think it depends, but I think if your life is just spent in the muchness and there's no sliver of that time and space to do the connecting to yourself. That would be a really difficult way to live truly to who you are and very easy to get lost in that. And that's Mm -hmm. seductive and it's addictive. If my children, if one of my children were spending all of their time kind of meeting all these demands and being everywhere, I would be very concerned. I guess that's a good way to frame it. Sonia, it's like, I would be concerned about that. I would want to have some really deep talks about what are you getting? Again, going back to what are you getting out of this? How do you notice how you're coming in? How do you notice how you're coming out? When you step away, are you able to tune in to something real? And those are the kind of questions that I think we need to ask. It's not just about the detox. Yeah, do the detox or whatever, but get real with yourself about what this is giving you. And another strategy is not to detox, but to pause at the beginning of your day and just take a little bit of time to inventory where you're at, how you're feeling and what your truth is for that day. That's a good way to stay connected because it's like a swirl. It's like a swirl. So very easy to be disconnected. Um, And I think they want us to be overwhelmed. (laughs) It's the big day, but the way the technologies are set up, and yes. the way social pressure works. Yes. When yeah, we are all overwhelmed, of it. then we can be much more pliable. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, having lived in a few different countries, it's really interesting to uh, to look at the cultures as well, right? Because in the US, there's much more muchness mm-hmm. than in Mexico, 
right? Yes. So like when I go back and visit in the US, even on vacation, I experience more of that, more of the demands, more busyness, more even like financially, like more spending, more like it's all these things that kind of you just you it's easy to go back into the stream, right? And all of a sudden you're like, before you know it, it's a week later and you're like, oh my gosh, what's happened this week? <laughs> and then, you know, in a culture like here, it's very family oriented. It's very connection oriented, mm. right? There's there's less muchness. They do not subscribe to like the busyness or the accolades from busyness. Like, in fact, mm. a lot of people yes. here who even have businesses, they're like, we're done at five. We're going home. There's sure there's lots of opportunity to be open more. There's lots of opportunity to make more money, but we're not interested. Like there's this really interesting vibe and when you mm. when you feel that when you experience that you know it allows you to to sort of unpack and understand yeah like what is it that keeps me in the flow in that sort of default and i find being connected to the states in my business right even though i'm living my life here like it's still hard to to navigate those two worlds and mm. find my place in it right it's just it's really interesting and interesting. something to explore yeah i think you know we you don't know the water you're in um, until you step out of it. And mm -hmm. so I spent some time earlier this year in France and I felt that change. Yeah. And I was just recently in Mexico for a few days and you feel that change. For you, do you feel more connected to yourself in different places mm -hmm. when you're like, tell me, I'm curious yeah. for you, how does that show up? Yeah, well, I definitely feel because for me, it's really, I feel more connected with to myself when I'm disconnected from the muchness, right? When I'm not on social, when I'm not connected to things I have to do, when I'm not faced outward, that's when I'm more connected to myself, right? When I can just be. So like my favorite thing to do is I spend every morning going someplace in this city that I live in, which is a really beautiful city. And I just sit the first like half an hour, I literally just sit. I do nothing. I drink my coffee. I look out the window. I look at, you know, it's like I do nothing. That's like the beginning of my day. And something about that space and that nothingness and that being, right, it reconnects me to myself so that no matter what else I do in the day, I'm more connected. If I miss that window, if I miss that piece, if I don't start out my day with that kind of experience, I'm, I'm much less connected to myself. So there's something about that space and energy, you know, not being pulled, but I find that on the days where I have a lot of tasks to do, a lot of things I've got to get done, right. I'm much more disconnected to myself. Um, and so that pull that I feel has nothing to do with the city I live in right? Being out in the city, walking the streets, being out there, there's a slow pace, there's a connection, there's a, you know, you say hi to every, you know, buenos dias to everybody that you meet. There's such a lovely connection here that you're, when I'm in my real life, I'm able to be in that all the time. But then I find when I'm in the digital world or when I have to get back into my business stuff, I can get disconnected again. So it's this very, it's something I'm really, prioritizing to explore right now, prioritizing to, to kind of self-develop because I want to feel embodied 
all the time, right? All the time. And so how can I do that also in my digital world? Or how can I do that also in my business? And this is something I've been exploring for a long time, but Mm -hmm. there's a a more palpable feeling here. Being able to, you know, and it took me about, I tell people, it took me about four months to to really let myself be here. It took my husband longer. He's finally Mm -hmm. just arriving here in this (laughs) vibration, which has been like seven months, right? So there, it, it takes time to unwind from the yeah. demands, even the perceived demands. It's not that we have to have all these demands. We perceive the demands. Correct. Yes. And so being able to like own that you can let go, being able to let go, it makes a huge shift and change. And that took me about four months. Gosh, I love that. And That's something I've been trying to do too, like very intentional with my morning time, knowing when I need to start and then backing my time out from that. Mm. So I have just some breathing room space in the morning to center or sit and do nothing. It's so vital. Yes. Yeah. It's, it really reframes everything. And I, I, you, you brought up a good point. I think another really helpful practice with the muchness. It's that perception of urgency, right? It's mm. not that these things are actually that critical. Mm-hmm. The world is set up so we get sucked in, not only in our minds, which are human beings, we're going to get sucked into our own worlds in our minds, but the world today is set up to exaggerate that sucking in. Mm-hmm. We are in these little glass bowls, we feel like, and um, it doesn't actually the most most stuff doesn't actually matter or go much further than, <laughs> you know, an arm's length away from us. But we mm-hmm. feel like it is earth shaking stuff that is happening. Mm-hmm. And so to test that perception, to test whether the muchness is actually that urgent, we can ask. And I think of, I'm not sure if you're familiar with By- Byron Katie, yeah. um, but her questions around, is this true? just taking a pause to go, oh my gosh, I'm so, I'm in, uh, I gotta, wait, is this true? And then asking second question, is this urgent? Is this really urgent? Is this something I need to respond to? Or is this something I can just be aware of? So I think those three questions can help us kind of filter back a little bit from that perceived urgency. Is this Mm -hmm. true? Is this urgent? Is this something I need to respond to or just be aware of? And I do think our society, like the pandemic really made us more aware of the muchness. And I think what we're seeing now is a reaction to that real, that acknowledgement Mm-hmm. And people choosing to make other decisions, to leave jobs, to start something on their own, to give up perceived stability for more freedom or more time for themselves or their families. I do think that this, that it is all a reaction to the muchness. Yeah. That's what people are doing. And, and that's, oh. I think we got to look at it. You know, we got, yeah. we had to face it and we were all forced to sit in our houses and go, actually, None of that really matters. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I think even organizations are starting to look at, because that's a lot of who I talk to and speak with, right, and mm-hmm. do workshops with, 
And I'm seeing the HR teams stepping up to have to respond, right? And the things I'm teaching are that we're in a very new paradigm. We can't continue to operate where there's these high demands. I mean, the younger generation, many of them won't just won't put up with it, right? They just won't. They won't sustain in the way that some of the older generations would. But also, everyone wants balance. Everyone wants more meaning in their lives. Everyone wants to be more connected. There's something that's happening, this great awareness. And, you know, we're all still kind of navigating it and understanding it. Maybe we don't have words for it, but I do think there is a big change happening in the world and, you know, organizations are seeing it and know they have to start responding in a different way. And, and so I think that's really interesting. And I was going to say too, I love what you said about the questions, because I think those are so important and things that I ask myself a lot. One of the other strategies that really helps me with the muchness is um, what I call bucketing or sorting, right? And so often I have this perception of overwhelm. As soon as I have more than like 15 things on my to-do list, I just feel overwhelmed. And so being able to kind of sort things into, okay, what really has to be done this month? But really like the only things that are absolutely necessary this month, and then everything else can be bucketed to, you know, later. Mm-hmm. I find that helps with perception. Like it's so funny how in, you know, one hour at the beginning of that hour, I can feel so overwhelmed and like, there's too much. There's so many demands There's so much. And then as I bucket, I all of a sudden feel like, wow, I don't really have that much on. Like it's good. I have space, right? It's a, mm. it's such a shift and change. And sometimes these little sort of strategies help us navigate the muchness in a way that, you know, we feel space because when I feel space, I get a lot more done. I'm a lot happier. I'm a lot more connected. You know, I'm not running from place to place. I actually feel like I'm bringing myself from place to place. And you enjoy it more. Yeah. You know, I think that's a lot for me. I get so busy. I forget that I enjoy what I do. (laughs) And I forget strategies for like how I enjoy it, especially after the pandemic when my business began running, you know, like all of ours virtually and being in that mode, I've recently like, oh my gosh, I, I need to see people at least once a week because it's fun mm-hmm. and I want to have fun as yeah. I'm doing this work. It's not just about completing the tasks or showing up for the Zoom. It's about this sense of joy that I have when I can sit in a room and collaborate with one of my colleagues or meet face to face with a client just to check in with them. Yeah. And those are things we had to see for our own safety. But when we bring them back in the ways that are meaningful to us, I think the the payoff is joy is joy and enjoyment. And I really think that was something that, you know, we gave up a lot of and then we were taught to fear it which just, it broke my heart then. It still breaks my heart now that our ability to to be with other people was, was so threatening. And we, but we've come through that and we, we need to shake off the, the remnants of that mindset Mm. in order to, to reconnect. Yes. And I love what you said, because, you know, we we kind of have to wrap up, which I hate because I love this conversation, (laughs) but, you know, I think there's something really significant, you know, navigating the muchness, right? There's something really significant in what you said that it's about how we deal with it in a a meaningful way. It's what 
what things mean to us. It's bringing that meaning back. So when we look at our to-do list, what really matters, what doesn't matter? When we we look at how we interact with people, whether online or in person, what really matters, what's meaningful? I think that what's meaningful question is mm-hmm. also very important when we're navigating this topic because if we start to sort out what's meaningful from what's not, a lot of things drop off the to-do list. A lot of the muchness shrinks, (laughs) right? And so we're able to more effectively and deliberately create the life that we want. Right, right. In Phoenix, we get these huge dust storms and they're called haboobs and they, they tumble across the valley and they are gigantic. If you've never seen one, you should look it up. They're a gigantic cloud, but it looks like a monster kind of eating you. (laughs) So as it comes toward wherever you are, you realize it's blowing dust and wind. And so it's not actually going to devour you. Mm. And that's really what the muchness is. I sort of, I'm a very visual person. So I kind of think of that, like it feels that way, but then we have a chance to, again, to your point, shrink it down to the size that it is and to push it back. And to say, okay, it's just, it's blowing dust and wind and it's going to pass. And I only need to be thinking and focused on these pieces. And the rest is, is just, it's not worthy of my attention, emotional state, energy. And so, yeah, I think absolutely we need to name it. We need to feel it when, and understand what that feels like. And then be able to step back and, and say, no, actually it's, it's a four instead of a 10. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for this topic and for joining me today, because this was a really beautiful, you know, pathway to understanding, I think what a lot of us are dealing with on a daily basis. So any last thoughts or things that you would like to share with the audience before we end? I would just encourage everyone to be, just maybe be a little bit mindful in in the next week. If you'd, if you'd like to kind of dive deeper into this, just be mindful about those moments when you feel overwhelmed. Maybe ask yourself, is it true? Is it urgent? Is it something I need to be responding to or just be aware of? So just try to maybe play with some of those questions. Mm. And um, as ever, reach out if you have any thoughts or want to add to the conversation. Yeah, I love that. All right. Thank you all for joining us and we will see you next week. Hey, it's Emily. I hope something from our conversation today inspired you. And if you find yourself curious about my work, about intrinsic branding, or about Root and River, I invite you to head over to rootandriver.com where you can sign up for our newsletter or you can read some of our free content. Hope to see you there.